This is Tara Grenov with the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast powered by Align, and this is episode 16. If you're a business and leadership nerd like us, this episode is right up your alley. On today's episode, you're going to hear from the amazing Melissa Shanahan, who is an absolute blast and really is so generous and open in sharing her story, as well as really valuable insights about planning. A quick note, as you'll hear, Melissa primarily works with law firm owners, but if you are a business owner, a leader, or want to be one someday, her insights absolutely apply to you. Welcome to the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast, where everyone is a leader and leadership starts with you. I'm Tara. And I'm Pamela. Thank you for listening and inviting us along on your leadership journey. We are so excited to have our guest, Melissa Shanahan, founder of Velocity Work on the podcast today. Hi, Melissa. Hi. So good to be here. I'm going to tell the audience a little bit about you, and then we can't wait to talk to you. So... Melissa founded Velocity Work after several years at a consulting firm focused on the growth of private practices all across the U.S. And after coaching over 350 doctors, dentists, and lawyers, bless your heart. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. She wants to narrow her services to law firms only and started Velocity Work, the host of the Law Firm Owner Podcast and an extremely effective coach for attorneys running their own firms. Melissa brings her A-game to everything she does. Her energy is infectious, which I can attest to. And the material she is teaching will forever change how you think. From mindset to vision to productivity and tracking firm data, Velocity Work has helped hundreds of attorneys grow their firms on their terms. Welcome to the Grounding and Growing Leadership Podcast, Melissa. Thank you. It is truly an honor to be on this podcast. Both Pamela and I have had the opportunity to be on the Law Firm Owner podcast, which we have loved doing. And so we're just really glad that you're willing to come and hang out with us. Absolutely. One of my favorite things about Melissa is that you are just so authentic. I see your expertise all over the place. But one of the ways that I know you help people grow is that you say, this is how I'm still learning. This is how I'm growing. This is my pain point. And so I just want to encourage the listeners that that while Melissa is such a valuable expert, you also are just really authentic in saying, yes, and I had to learn it this way. So you're in for a treat today with Melissa. Thank you. Forever student feels important. Thank you. So Melissa, we start every podcast guest by asking their favorite strengths. So I'm going to let our audience know your top five. They are achiever, relater, focus, futuristic, and individualization. And we're wondering, which one are you leveraging a lot right now? Okay. In thinking about this, so Relator, I took the Strength Finders like almost 10 years ago. And then I did again with you guys and they had shifted. And Relator was the one that stayed in the top five. Everything else shifted out. And so it would be easy to say that one. And it's, I really identify heavily with that one. However, I think right now for the phase that I'm in, futuristic is the one that I'm pumped about that's there and that I can rely on. I didn't used to have that the way that I do now. I can feel that. So it feels validating to see it in the top five. And I think it's served me well with building this company. That's the one I'm most proud of right now. Now, there's a, sh there's a shadow side, which... I'm sure we'll dig into it at some point, but it has been the most useful, I think. It's surprising to me. 
Why is that surprising to you? I'm curious. So I'm married to someone who is a futurist, like for real, and in technology and all that. And so I think next to him, I am not futuristic. There's a big gap between the way that he thinks about the future and how it's just ingrained in him versus me. So maybe that's why it's a little bit surprising to me to see that come up. But also knowing that it's there, I can leverage it, which feels helpful. But also I have spent a lot of my years feeling like I'm fumbling around. And just in the last like seven, six to seven, it's, oh, here we go. And so there's something that's clicked into place for me in the last seven-ish years, maybe a little more than that, I don't know, that feels more clear about the future that I always wanted. And it just, I just didn't, I didn't have it. I don't know why. I'm sure we could analyze that. But like once I finally got it, it was like, here we go. Now I can sink my teeth into something. So I think it's a strength that I always wanted to have, but I didn't feel like I had it. My guess is you had it and you either maybe had some other strengths that were roadblocks for it. Yeah. That's probably likely in your top 15. You've got, you do have other strengths that are pretty hard driving in the moment. Yeah. Achiever and focus, for example, in your top three, really like to get things done today. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Prevent us from looking at the future. But I mean, Melissa, knowing you, I can see your futuristic all of the time and how you think about not just your work, but in think about your team members and then also think about your clients. I think I'm, one of the things we want to talk to you about today is the work that you do with clients. I'm guessing you're always connecting it to their vision, what's possible for the future. Yeah, definitely. Actually, talking about this a lot, I think I used to assign the word for me as like hopeful or there's something a little more fluffy of a word that because when you said certain things get in the way my top five strengths used to be like the CEO I used to work for looked at my top five strengths one day and was like oh that's what he said literally because I was all fluffy it was like positivity relator something I don't remember which by the way are really great strengths to have but his were very hard driving competitive I think is there competitive is that one of them competition okay he had that like he had all the top five right and this was a guy who had built a 50 plus million dollar company and so when he looked at mine and made that reaction when you said there are certain things in the way I had the thought I wonder if all the fluffier stuff that I identified so heavily with was in the way of me being able to flex this muscle, so to speak. Some of our more compassionate or relationship building themes, when they are not mature, for sure can create roadblocks, just like any of our strengths. I'm guessing part of the journey for you, Melissa, has been letting go of that label of yeah. And maybe just embracing more of who you are that led you here. You only had your top five before, so we don't know where futuristic was it, right? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. It could have been, it could have been in your top 15 and just needed to be dialed up. And so Uh it's funny to me that, that you use the word fluffy because I know that that is the last word I would use to just, oh, (laughs) that's hilarious. I own and you know what? I really like that you said that. There's nothing wrong with, I don't even like using the word fluffy because it almost sounds insulting. And I think that those are true strengths. If you really understand them and you can leverage them, they're so powerful. But 
Clearly, your leader had judgment on them, though. And I oh, think that's a challenge. Oh. So, I mean, yeah. a side note that we could do a whole other episode on is how any personality assessments used to put people in a box and judge yeah. as opposed to really helping them leverage and grow. Yeah. And I see leaders do that all the time. It drives us nuts. Yeah. It felt like his agenda with having the strengths come into our organization was to get the best out of people. I mean, this person deep down really cared about people, but really this is a company of 200 people. It was a machine for him. And how could he not, ex not exploit, but really leverage the people inside of his organization and to help them do that. So you have your own little journey as an employee. Like it felt like a minion, right? Like you have your own little journey as a minion in this organization. It is interesting because it's about you. But then he walks by and there's all this judgment. Didn't you want me to do this? All the judgment on it. That's an interesting word. It, it felt like there was a disconnect from leadership because he was it. And actually applying it really, I think, hurt the organization. I'm just thinking of these things as you're talking. And what a bummer, man. He could have had a totally different organization because of who he is. Yeah. This I just want to say. So then we're getting into... Are we serving under a producing leader that just wants to treat you as a minion? And I don't know him and all of that so yeah, yeah. in general. And I'm sure that there are places that were great and helped you to reach a goal. But oh, yeah. also there's a toxicity that mm -hmm. comes with somebody that's giving that judgment and strengths or any other assessment can be used in that way. Yep. And that's when we're showing up raw in our own strengths to say, hey, if you're not like me, then you're not going to be able to produce in a way that I want. But the gift that you bring in your relational style of leadership. So not the word fluffy, but that actually is able to honor the person and to develop them as opposed to just have them be a minion that that produces like me. Um, yeah. I'm going to stay long term yeah. when somebody honors who I am and then leverages my strengths to actually make your company better. Mm -hmm. So so in that space, I just want to say shame off of you from that like, yes, comment. Like I just uproot that. And, and this is grounding and growing. And part of the grounding aspect is taking those toxic things and getting them out of our soil. Like yeah. that, that's not serving you well. But what I love is that even today that you're saying, I love my futuristic. Yes. Yeah. Let's move in it because you also see the future differently than he ever could. And we need to see it like you do. Yeah. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Speaking of futuristic, one of the things we want to talk to you about today is you do something really unique in the work that you do with firm owners. And really, if you if you are someone who's listening who is not a law firm owner, you can listen to the Law Firm Owner podcast. If you're a small business owner, you will take high value from it. It's really good. There are a, a few times I listen where I'm like, oh, that's very specific to lawyers. But most of what you do are principles and concepts and processes that help any business grow mm -hmm. and thrive. What I've noticed about some of the things you do, Melissa, is that you provide what I would call a framework for intentionality. Businesses grow. So can you talk a little bit about what I mean by that and mm -hmm. how you came to be in this business? Yeah, I got certified as a life coach in 2008 was the first certification I got. I got certified again through a different organization about five years ago. In, in 2008, I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. I was just very interested in it. 
And I thought that I would apply it to my own life, the tools that I learned. As time went on, I did put up a website. I set up a small business and it was a life coaching business. But the people that were coming to me, I was like, oh, no, this is not what I do. The people that were finding me were like, find your purpose kind of people. And I was like, I wanted to help people get stuff done. I wanted to help people like get from A to B. And that is not who I was attracting. So I ended up kind of shut that down and then moved to San Francisco. And in San Francisco, I wanted to keep doing this. So at night, I would go to the incubators and accelerators that existed for entrepreneurs there and help them with productivity and thinking through. And these are people that they didn't have any money yet. They were funded, but they were sleeping in the office. They were ragged building what they really believed in. And that was like my favorite kind of person to work with. So I would help them figure out how to make sure they're not leaving themselves as much in the dust as they're trying to build this because if they want to finish, they're going to have to maintain some sense of integrity for themselves. So that was fun. I worked with people doing that for a couple of years. I met some really great entrepreneurs and just thought this would be so cool. Now, at the time, I wasn't in this work at all. So my former life, I was a dental hygienist, which seems like such a departure from what I do now, but the dental hygienist. And I knew from year one, I was not supposed to be a dental hygienist. I did not know what else to do with my life. But I milked that for all it's worth. I became a total nerd of not just about the science, but for my coaching, my patients. Every practice I worked in, I had a higher compliance rate than anyone else. I would blow them out of the water because I cared so deeply about connecting with people and getting them to, to floss. For <laughs> and how to like, they had a lot of disease, like how to get back to health. And I... I just thrived there. And that was the only thing that kept me in it as long as it did before I really felt like my soul was hurting that I was still in that position. And finally, one day, I remember exactly where I was. I was running on the Embarcadero in San Francisco. And I just stopped. I was listening to Wayne Dyer, if you know who Wayne Dyer is. <laughs> and he said a sentence and I stopped running. I pushed pause and I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I don't know. I have zero idea what's coming next, but I'm done. Went home, told my now husband, we lived in a 372 square foot apartment. It was like, you're what? What, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'll figure it out. I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And got busy. In two weeks, I had a job at a consulting firm for dental practices and doctors. So I went there and that was certainly a huge link in my life chain because there I could take everything I had under my belt. And I was taught so much about business and running the business. I already had some insight there, but this was like on steroids and I had to be certified in being able to teach it. And it changed my whole life. So that CEO I'm talking about is there's some pretty negative things that I have associated with that organization, but it was such a gift. It was the catapult into this life. The thing I loved the most that came out of it was how to facilitate strategic planning retreats for private practice owners. And I loved it. So that's where I learned everything. I never, ever could have said, I want to do that. And this is how I'm going to get there. It was like fumbling around, kind of like I was saying earlier, to find my way. I hope there's someone listening who wants to make a huge career leap, who oh, just hears you were following passion, but also things you were naturally good at. You were following your strengths when you did that. It was like I finally just decided to believe in myself. 
figure it out. You will figure it out. Stop being in this thing that you keep wanting out of. Just stop. And that took a ton of guts, but it was the best thing I ever did. That's so cool. Henry Cloud actually calls that thing that you did a necessary ending. And you had to make a hard stop. You didn't stop when you needed to pivot. It didn't take you out. You just kept searching and kept realizing. You call it fumbling, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to call it learning and pivoting, that constant place of student. So what you needed to end, you had the courage to do. And what you needed to continue to grow in, you also had the courage to pivot. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I do agree with you about the learning versus fumbling. But truthfully, in the moment when you are learning, it feels like fumbling. It is so hard. Yeah. I remember, I don't know if you know who Danielle Laporte is, but she said something one day that I clung to, which was, it won't be long now. It won't be long now. I said Mm -hmm. that to myself out loud for years because, and just tried to play with that sentence that it may take years or I'm two years in and I'm trying to figure this out and but it won't be long now like in the grand scheme of things just keep going and it really got me it was a big something that I told myself a lot that got me through those periods where you just can't see beyond one step yeah and it's all necessary I know we all have those journeys in our own ways in life and they're a part of it all and it is beautiful in its own right but for me personally I'm really glad that I'm through that one (laughs) it's really hard so I'm Grateful for it and grateful to be done with it. And what an incredible experience to bring into the consulting and coaching work you do now. Yeah. Because how do you see that learning and that pivotal experience for you driving what you do with businesses now? It does play in a lot now. In a nutshell, just for a point of reference for people. Now, every single client we work with is centered around quarterly strategic planning. So I don't work with someone unless they are entering into quarterly strategic planning. And we offer two paths to do that, a group version and then private, which is just us and the firm in a room for two days. And there's more to it than that, but that's the gist of it. And based on the plans that come out of that, that we facilitate, then in between the quarterly retreats and meetings or sessions, that's where there's accountability to actually honor the plan that they set for the next 90 days and support coaching. We lift our head at the turn of the quarter, make some plans, and then go to work for the next 90 days. And the people who choose to invest in that versus the ones who don't always fly further faster. And that's what I love about it. It brings a sense of organization to what oftentimes as a business owner feels really messy. You asked, like, how does it play in? I think I have a knack for, at least within this realm, making what seems very blurry a little more defined and a little easier to swallow and accept and like making decisions about certain things and having clarity. That is what comes out of this. And then once they have clarity, now it's time to go. And if they don't go, then the coaching comes in because it's okay. Now, like, why aren't you showing up for these things? We have these plans and it's probably not the perfect plan. There's no such thing, but mm. you need to do it anyway. So what's in the way? And so that's where the coaching comes in if they experience that. I was just going to ask. So in, in addition to your vast experience, because also at this point, you have coached hundreds of organizations uh-huh. forward, right? Uh-huh. And through growth. And so there's so much I'm curious about 
owners and leaders, we get in our own way all of the time. We get in our head. So you just mentioned one of them. The plan isn't perfect. What if this piece isn't? How do you help people overcome that? Because I think that is relatable to any business owner or leader listening. Like, how do we know we've got the right plan? In my head, there are principles and they're in an order. To me, what beats everything, if you're talking about progress, you want to make progress, what beats everything is that you have to execute. You have to do things in order to get results. Now, I think starting a business, there's a bit of a hustle phase and you're just like executing all over the place and trying things and seeing what works. That's very different. I don't usually work with people in that stage. I usually work with people once they have a business and it does feel messy and they know that to grow it, they're going to have to shift some things or they don't know how to grow it to where they want. And they're looking for a bit of structure in order to do that. So we cannot work together. <laughs> this is how I think about it. Unless you have a plan that you've decided and agreed on that you are going to do and to the best of your ability. And the plan is super intentional. I mean, this is like a full day or two days of coming up with these decisions. And there's a framework that we move through to help them come to their own answers on what they're going to do. Once that's done, it's time to go. And it's okay that you have your own barriers. That's normal. But that's my job is to help move through those things so that we can actually do it. Whatever the voices are in your head, whatever the reasons, I have air quotes, but kind of not air quotes, around the word reasons, that you aren't getting it done. It's usually, honestly, it's usually some form of, I'm just too busy. I don't have time. To, I wanted to do these things. I'm having a hard time finding the space to do these things. That's just logistics. We can work that out. Whatever needs to be worked out so that you honor the plan is the most important thing. Not because this plan is the perfect plan. There's quotes around plans, right? Yeah. Make a plan and work your plan or is one of them. Or plan your work and work your plan, I think is one of them. But then there's another one that talks about, I think it's a former president, like Roosevelt or something, said, actually says, your plans won't be the right plan, but you have to have them in order to make progress. You have to execute on them. And that's the way I feel about this because yeah. get yourself, if you just make some decisions and then you actually get that stuff done to the best of your ability, you give yourself a whole new vantage. And so then even if it wasn't the perfect thing, you are in a different spot. And now you're more informed. You have more experience, more knowledge, more insight to better make a little bit better plan. And so when you're asking, how do I help them? It's listen, you got to go. I'm willing to work through with them, their own stuff. And everybody's is a little bit different, but we have to come back to the understanding that this wins, this trumps, you have to do this thing. And so that's what I keep coming back to. So I have always said the best strategy is the one you'll actually do. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're not willing to do it, it's probably not a good strategy for you. Right. And so often, I think the missing piece for business owners is exactly what you had said before, is you decided to believe in yourself, but you're also providing a path, right? So the structure that you're providing, the cadence of accountability is a path people can follow. They will make progress because it's consistent action, having a plan, working that plan. Like you said, there will be progress made, but I see so many people, leaders, it doesn't matter if you are an individual contributor or a leader or a business owner where we don't make progress because we don't just commit to doing the thing, mm -hmm. doing the work. You yeah. just got to do the work. So I heard this the other day, Pamela, the podcast we were listening to, the know versus do gap. Knowing something feels like work sometimes. Yeah. 
Yeah. But it's the doing that actually makes progress. But we convince ourselves because we thought deeply, oh, we have just, we're exhausted ourselves because we thought so much about something, yeah. or worried so much about something, but we haven't actually done the work. Yeah. There's a concept that I like a lot and I think about a lot of passive action versus massive action. I think is some, the way someone described it was passive learning versus active learning. Passive learning is intellectually understanding something and gaining knowledge. But active learning is the application of that. And people get stuck in passive learning quite a bit. It's comfy. It feels noble. It feels, oh, I'm learning all these things. But unless you actually apply it, which is, it takes guts oftentimes, it's not going to go well the first time in many cases. And so you just have to get in the ring, as Brene Brown says, or well, also Roosevelt. But I think both are needed, but people stay stuck in one. If I would have found or had a partner that said, okay, I don't know your best path, but we are going to get in a room and we're going to figure out what the best plan for you moving forward is. And you're going to do that for 90 days. And, and then along the way, having someone in your ear that's no, no, go, come on, let's go. Or helping them unwind so that they can go like just a partner, how invaluable that would have been if you made it out so it's there's that but <laughs> it would have been really great to know that. and what's really interesting to me melissa is my strengths are in the relational realm but strategic is the first for me mm-hmm. and what i appreciate is that with a plan i actually get to honor the person in a more whole way because i go back to the paper it's oftentimes the place that a person is at or their own insecurities or whatever it is that they may not implement the plan. And we're talking about implementation today and intentionality. And yeah. so they may get off the track, but I don't have to shame them. I get to go back to the paper, which yeah. we need to. Everybody's agreed to this and you're reminding them of that. Mm-hmm. And it really starts with the small habits. And so I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning of our podcast where you said that I was the highest producer, I think you said, in the dental office because you got people to floss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now that very small action, and James Clear talks about it in Atomic Habits, and mm-hmm. Rochelle talks about it in his leadership podcast that I have now become a flosser. And because mm-hmm. I floss, I can now do all of these other things. Yeah. And you got them to do that one little step. And now it feels like they're king of the world when they've completed the action plan. So today, as we are finishing up this podcast on intentionality and implementing What are one or two things that you want to encourage just our listeners in general to follow up on that plan and then walking it out in that active learning, as you talked about, to be able to continue implementing and encourage others to follow through on the plan? The thing that stands out is when I help people make these big plans, it's going to take work. And we don't ever wrap that up without a conversation about what needs to happen for them as a person in order to set them up for success with this. And it's the we things. We call them the we things. It's like, what is, what are the very small things that you need to do so that you can actually show up for these plans? For some people, that is just teeing up their morning so it's smoother. Like I have had people say, I put my kids' shoes and socks by the front door and I set the coffee pot for the morning. And because my morning is smoother, I can actually like have a better flow through my days. So sometimes it's those kinds of things. 
And other times it is something around health and taking care of themselves. But what are the we things? Sometimes it's going to bed earlier. You just brought back the flossing thing. I would have hygienists and doctors scoff at my prescriptions, so to speak, for patients because I would say, you don't have to floss every day. You need to floss on, pick two days of the week you're going to floss. And they would pick two days and everybody else, if you don't floss every day, then they just had an attitude about it. I'm like, okay, let's see whose gums are healthier, y'all, when these patients come back. And so they would come back and their gums would be healthier. They wouldn't bleed as much when I would do the cleaning. And it was two days, two days a week. And you had to teach them how to do it right. And they needed to use the right kind of floss, but they, that was it. And so it's the same in any other stuff that we're working on. People who want to be healthier and they think that they have to do it five to six days a week. No, pick two as an example. Like just small changes that are consistently happening will change your entire trajectory. And I think sometimes we just take these big swings. We're used to doing that. And you have to have those kinds of plans. But to support those kind of plans, underneath it all are just we things. So we focus a lot on that. So I would just ask people to think about what stands out for them, what like the category of life for them that they know is a drag, like it's actually impeding on their progress. Okay, just pick something very small in that category that over time will produce a different result for you. So we always talk about we don't want to do work that doesn't matter, right? And so we're constantly talking about what you talked about before, the actionable learning. If you can't listen to one of our podcasts and put something into action, yeah, we feel like we've wasted your time. So why not provide those action steps? So first of all, hopefully everyone listening is going to start flossing twice a week because that's such an easy action step we can all take. And like that is, you're right, because that is what gets intimidating. I know I'm going to fail. I know I'm going to miss it. I know that's too high of an expectation. I can't go from zero to perfect. Right. And so you made it manageable. And I think that's what you do so brilliantly, Melissa, is break down this planning process and make things more manageable for people. Hopefully you've picked up more than one thing that you can put into action and been inspired by Melissa's story. So thank you so much. I didn't know a lot of that story. We've known each other a while now and working together. I didn't know some of that story. So thank you for blessing us with that story. But also we're going to have you on again because you also practice what you preach. You walk your talk and we'd love to have you back to talk about how you've been growing your own team and the work that you've been putting in around that because that's also inspiring. So we'll have you back for an episode soon on that. Awesome. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Come on.